Good morning. There was a moment in my life, I remember it is yesterday, but in reality it took place 32 years ago. Where did the years go by? In one sense it was an ordinary moment, but in many ways it's defined most of my life since. I was in my first week at university, and I was sat alone in my halls of residence bedroom with a decision of how I was going to live my life and what I was going to give my heart to. University can be a coliseum experience for many teenage Christians. Maybe you've sat on that same bed. At the time, I was reading a book given to me before I left home. Back then, I didn't read as much as I did now, but outside of the Bible, I may not have read a more impactful and influential book. The strapline of the book's title read like this. Building a faith to withstand the storms of life. I think it may have something to say to us for such a time as this. We're in the middle of a five-week series exploring the Old Testament prophets. The reason why now we're looking at them is because they lived in the most turbulent era of all of Israel's history. With many similarities to today, their era was characterised by unprecedented political, economic and social upheaval. Their era was characterised by an enormous level of religious unfaithfulness and disregard for God. Their era was characterised by shifts in populations and national boundaries, including economic shifts in the balance of power internationally. In week one, we discovered the central message of the Old Testament prophets was to call the Israelites, the people of God, if you like, to be God's people and to live out the Mosaic covenant as it was renewed and extended in the book of Deuteronomy. Let me ask a question. Were the prophets successful? In one word, no. Let me ask another. Why not? For two reasons, because of the people of God's love of idolatry and their love of injustice. Firstly, idolatry. For the Israelites, this wasn't a new offence. It was a repeated and prolific failing of unfaithfulness to God through the centuries. It began in the Exodus almost before the Mosaic Covenant had even been cut between God and Moses. When Moses comes down from Mount Sinai and he finds that what the people of God have been doing while he's been away is that they've been worshipping and sacrificing to a golden calf. It surfaced again in the era of, judge, of the judges, now in the promised land where, it, where the Israelites have settled. We find that their repeated acts of waywardness are now seen in their worship of the local Canaanite gods for rain and for fertility, the gods of Baal and Asherah. Now we read that it resurfaces in the era of the monarchy with the prophet's task to call the people of God back to God and away from their prolific unfaithfulness to him, which can be evidenced for all to see as the prophet Jeremiah wrote. Their idolatry can be seen on their altars and their sacred poles. It can be seen beside every great tree and on the high hills, on the mountains, in the open countries. In other words, it can be seen everywhere. The prophets used the language of spiritual adultery 
to describe the Israelites' idolatry, namely that by going after other gods, they were being unfaithful to their loving, faithful husband, the God of Israel. In that past sentence, I've just toned down the language to describe this rampant and prolific offending. But if you want some sober reading, I challenge you to read the, the first few chapters of the book of Hosea or chapters 16 and 23 of the prophet Ezekiel. Looking back now, as we do, it's so sad that the people of God forgot God their saviour. And in the words of Psalm 106, they exchanged the glory of God for an image of an ox that eats grass. We may laugh at their ignorance, but today's manifestations of idolatry in our world are no less foolish and just as harmful to our well-being. You know, we go pursuing happiness as if it's all we ever wanted. We go searching for love as if it's all we ever need. We believe the mantra, money changes everything. We get seduced into success. We want the power and the glory. In the words of Tim Keller, we all have our own shrines, whether it be offices, spas and gyms, studios or stadiums. The gods of beauty, power, money and achievement where sacrifices must be made to procure the blessings of a good life and ward off disaster. We too exchange the glory of God for an image of an ox that eats grass. Here's what an idol is. It's anything more important to us than God. It's anything that absorbs our heart and imagination more than God. It's anything that we seek to give us what only God can give us. It may start out as a good thing, but it becomes a God thing. The second reason the central message of the prophets was rejected by the people of God was because of their love of injustice. From the days of the book of Deuteronomy, justice was defined as a caring for the vulnerable. And Israel was charged to create a culture of social justice for the poor and for the vulnerable because it was the way the nation could also reveal God's glory and character to the world. In those days, the vulnerable were often grouped repeatedly into four types. If you like a quartet of the vulnerable. This is how the prophet Zechariah describes them and what it says that Israel is not to do. He writes, do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the immigrant and the poor. These four groups in those days, they had no social power. They lived at the subsistence level and they were only days from starvation. If there was any famine, if there was any invasion, or even a, a minor social unrest. In today's world, to, to practice justice is to, be care, is to be concerned about the most vulnerable, poor and marginalised members of our society. And to make the long-term personal sacrifices to, to serve their interests, needs and cause. The original quartet today would be, would be extended to include the refugee the migrant worker, the homeless and many single parents and elderly people as the church were called to be this community of justice, of people who practice economic sharing and radical generosity. 
when it came to the Old Testament prophets, one of the main ways that they would use to call the people of God to live as God's people was to speak in what is known in Hebrew language as a word pair. A word pair is when they join two words together to form a single concept, which means something different and also something wider than what the two words mean in, indivi in, in individuality. The two most common word pairs used are kindness, or often translated in the English steadfast love and faithfulness, and justice and, and righteousness. We see this a lot in the book of Isaiah, most particularly and most famously in these words from Isaiah chapter 16. A throne shall be established, in steadfast love in the tent of David, and on it shall sit faithfulness. A ruler who seeks justice and is swift to do what is right. Both word pairs speak of the Mosaic Covenant. But looking only at that second example of justice and righteousness, before we move on, a note of caution. We might think that we can use the expression we hear today, social justice, to describe what they meant. In part we can, but not in the way in which many of people use those words today. This social justice or justice righteousness is a way of summing up all of the commands of the Mosaic Covenant against not just injustice, but also idolatry, because it speaks about the right way to both relate to God, but also how to treat other people and to care for the earth's resources. Do you see the difference when many in our world today airbrush out of the, out the part of the great commandment they don't think applies to them, either loving God or loving our neighbour? By practising this justice righteousness, we live out the full message Jesus spoke of when asked, what is the great commandment? And he replied, paraphrasing, to love God with everything and to love our neighbour as ourselves. To put that in a 21st century word pair, it's both and rather than either or. Idolatry and injustice are the outward signs of a deeper problem inside all of us. As someone once said, at the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Both idolatry and injustice are problems of greed, which affects the heart. As became a repeated refrain in the prophets, idolatry and injustice make our hearts rebellious and stubborn. They make them hard and adamant. They make them, they make them as our hearts lustful and empty. They make our hearts self-seeking and corrupting. The problem with repeated heart failure is eventually it kills you. This is why God in his kindness and faithfulness and in his justice and righteousness sent his son Jesus Christ to cut a new covenant by dying for us on the cross to give us one final chance to change. To receive a heart transplant in the words of the prophet Ezekiel, away from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Going back to that day at university where I sat on my bed wondering what I was going to give my heart to, I learned I needed to look after my heart. The name of the book that impacted me so much is called The Quest for Character by Charles Swindle. It asks the question, what will you let your heart pursue and follow? 
The book is split into two halves. In the first half, the writer exhorts us, like the writer to the Proverbs do, to guard our hearts above everything else because it determines the course of our life. While the second half exhorts us to give our hearts, paraphrasing the words that Jesus said, to love God, to love our neighbour and to love the world. If truth be told, since those days at university, like with many, I've been guilty of guarding my heart when I should have given it. I've been guilty of giving my heart when I should have guarded it. And as a result, I've needed to be cut to the heart at times to be transformed. We become what we worship. As Jesus would warn, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. But I also know this, nothing great happens through us until it's happened in us. Transformation only happens from the inside out and there is no greater miracle than the transformation of the human heart. So let me leave you with a three-step process if you like to practice to change our hearts in these areas of idolatry and injustice. Step one is to identify, to ask God those questions in the areas of idolatry and injustice in this way. What is my heart's true love? Or how is my faith worked out in practice? What is my heart's true love? And how is my faith worked out in practice in these two areas? Step two is about replacement. It's about coming to God in repentance. It's about coming to him to change our worldview and asking God for his heart in terms of worship and justice. And step three is about patience because to change is a process that often takes a lifetime of many failures. It's about asking God by his Holy Spirit to empower us and to equip us to live differently while simultaneously resting secure in whose we are and the patient love of God to each one of us. Shall we pray together? Shall we open our arms once more to just receive all that God has for us this morning? O God of steadfast love and faithfulness, who is always just and right, Rid our hearts of the evils of idolatry and injustice and refine them by your Holy Spirit to pursue worship and justice. In the name of Jesus Christ, the source of all transformation. Amen.